The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. back everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 275 we're talking fantasy football take a little break from baseball we'll be back with you tomorrow with another baseball episode we're gonna talk some fantasy football with the nfl draft just over a week away it is just around the corner and we're gonna do quarterbacks and running backs tonight and who better to help me kick off our fantasy football coverage for this season than a good friend of ours you can find him on twitter at gridiron skull 91 john lob how we doing my friend Oh, I'm doing great, man. I miss baseball a lot. Usually this is my um, vacation as a teacher the month of April this week. And I'm usually like knee deep in football, two or three games or baseball, two or three games a day, get my fantasy teams going. So I miss it a lot. But we do have the draft. So I'm excited about that, my friend. Yeah, definitely excited about that. Uh, You do a ton of great work. So before we get started, Plug away everything you got going on. You got YouTube. You got all kinds of cool stuff going on for the draft. Thanks, my friend. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at GridironScholl91, just like um, my friend mentioned there. And then if you want my written profiles for the seventh year in a row, they are up on footballdiehards.com. All of it's free. And I just posted my mock draft today of the real NFL draft. And then if you want to see some video analysis and breakdown on YouTube, type in DynastyDraftRoom.com. And my teammate there, Matt Elliott, and I, we break down um, NFL prospects in this draft. We have 33 profiles up there, and each one's about 10 minutes long. So you, you don't have to watch them all, but you can catch one or two at lunch on your lunch break if you want. And you can see who we think and what we think of the prospects. I love it, and I highly recommend it. Anybody that's uh, getting ready for the NFL draft and with a fantasy twist on it like we're going to give you, 
John's one of the best out there, so go check it out, and you, you will not regret it at all. Football diehards giving some free work over there. Go get it while you can. It's good stuff, really good stuff. Um, let's go to the quarterback position. This is kind of, as you know, John, the glorified position. Not always the best in terms of you know instant impact in fantasy football, but these are the guys that people love talking about because they were the Heisman candidates. They were all these great things. So let's just kick it off. The Heisman winner out of LSU projected to go number one, obviously. Joe Burrow was just amazing last season. I, I, I'm not going to say do you disagree with him being the first pick. I think it's pretty simple. He's the first pick for many. Um, what's your thoughts on him, though, potentially for like a fantasy viewpoint as a, as a first-year player? I absolutely love Joe Burrow. I mean, I've had no doubt in my mind that he's the best prospect in this draft I I believe in the franchise quarterback I understand how good Chase Young is but Joe Burrow the Bengals have to get a quarterback turn this team around now I actually believe that Joe Burrow is not being discussed enough at what an, an amazing season he actually had my friend I'll put it into context I'm an historian a history teacher In my lifetime, and I'm an old man now, over 50, in the last 15 years, only two quarterbacks who are even in the same bucket as Joe Burrow. Tim Tebow, his sophomore year at Florida. And I'll give it to Burrow because Burrow won the national championship and went 15-0 in the SEC. That's just unbelievable you think about This young man dominated the SEC and won the national championship. Tim Tebow was great when he won the Heisman as a sophomore, but Florida didn't win the championship. Then the only other player in this bucket is Cam Newton. What Cam Newton did, having transferred from Florida, coming into Auburn, leading the Tigers to the national championship, an undefeated season. Those are the three best quarterback campaigns that I have seen at the quarterback position in college. Now, that does not necessarily mean you will translate to an NFL quarterback because we know there are differences. And look at Tebow. His skill set did not work in the NFL. But Cam Newton clearly has had a sensational NFL career. I think people forget that the Panthers were 1-15 and a disaster when Cam Newton was drafted at the top of the draft. He won an MVP award. He went to a Super Bowl. If you're a Miami Dolphins fan, you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan, you could get to a Super Bowl within seven years and have an MVP quarterback. I think you'd sign up for that any day of the week. But what makes Burrow special? He is an underrated athlete. I added on my profiles this year, Bubba, an escapability score. And I basically have two criteria for the escapability score. One is gaining yards with their feet, a la Lamar Jackson. But there is more to quarterbacking than just running the football for for a first down, even though that is important to me. But the ability for the quarterback to escape pressure, buy time in the pocket, and more importantly, adjust to a new paradigm and be able to complete the pass down the field. Joe Burrow is exceptional at that. Joe Burrow has two traits that I think are going to easily translate to league. One, he is an anticipatory thrower. When you watch him, man, he threw some passes that were so unbelievable 
to those Tigers receivers. They have not even broken off their route. But Burrow has read the defense, knows where the secondary is, and he throws the pass. And the next thing you know, the receiver is turning their head and the ball is in their arms. Incredible anticipatory throw. But more important, when the play breaks down, if that first read is not there, Joe Burrow is so athletic, he can buy time with his legs. But on top of that, he keeps his eyes down the field and he makes incredibly accurate throws on the move. His completion percentage this year, 76.3. That is out of control. He was completing three out of four passes at the (laughs) highest level of competition. What I also like about him from a fantasy standpoint, usually when these quarterbacks go number one, in general, they're going to terrible football teams. Terrible. I think about Sam Bradford going to the Rams with Jeff Fisher. That was a nightmare, right? And then you ended up with um, Jeff Goff, Jared Goff early with Jeff Fisher. What happens? Joe Burrow is going to Cincinnati, and that talent around him with Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, A.J. Green, if John Ross can stay healthy, he's going to a team that actually has playmakers. He's not going into the worst situation. So I love Joe Burrow. There's a no-brainer in my book. No, I love it. I think you nailed it with him as – one thing I remember watching, you know, LSU, we had the luxury. They were a lot of these Saturday night games on ESPN. And yeah. he just made it look – he made it look so easy. Just so easy out there against the SEC, like you said. And, you know, for you and I and others that, that watch college football, the SEC used to be, you know, LSU-Bama games were like 13-10 finals. Like they're, they're <laughs> oh, just, man. It, it was brutal. Like going back and forth, Joe Burrow's out there just picking – teams apart it was just insanity and sure the sec was a little different this last year we saw more offense out there than normal but even against teams like georgia and other other programs that were more defensive oriented burrow just it was easy it was it was awesome and then i love what you said about the fantasy impact because you look at these quarterbacks and a lot of quarterbacks don't start right out the gate if they do it's because they're on such a bad team like you said now the Bengals, the nickname the bungles for a reason like they find a way to find the banana peel More often than not, but as you said, great talent there with A.J. Green, Mixon, Boyd, maybe John Ross. Uh, They got some young tight ends. If they could shore up the O-line a little bit, they have a new head coach that's more offensive-oriented. That's why they brought him in last year to kind of rebuild this team into a new modern era of NFL. I think it's very interesting with Burrow. I don't know exactly like he's not I don't know if it's like the Kyler Murray gamble like last year in fantasy per se because we know what Kyler can do with his legs also there's a difference there but Burrow's very intriguing maybe I don't know just I know we have a long ways to go like before fantasy drafts and everything but just spitballing here John when we're talking Joe Burrow is he outside of a QB1 like in a 12-team league or is he kind of sneaking in do you think of a QB1 because we know how talented he is and that Bengals defense, I know it's a division that plays more defense. We saw last year they were throwing it a lot. And it made even, you know, the Andy Daltons of the world fantasy viable, certainly. You know, I do not have them in the top 12 at this point. I have them at 17. Okay, that's um, fair. Yeah, and look, I would love them as my backup. And I have no question 
Um, one, I don't think he's going to gain as many yards on the ground as Kyler Murray. Um, but I think it's reasonable um, to project, and I was doing it a little bit, 23 aerial strikes and then three or four rushing touchdowns. So he's going to be touching 30 total touchdowns. Now, what's the yardage? You know, I think Mixon's going to be a workhorse this year for the Bengals. So, you know, maybe he has 3,700 yards passing and 300, 400 yards rushing. So he's going to be close to that. And, and then I think there are going to be, you just mentioned it, that division, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Browns, right? Cold weather up north. There are going to be some slugfest games that will hurt you fantasy-wise. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see, but I am excited for Burrow. I am a Dolphins fan, so I've had this discussion with our buddy Scott Bogman on on recent weeks, and I I went deep into the the dives of I'm kind of – I'm on board if the Dolphins want to get wild and just give up like three first-round picks in the next two years and maybe some seconds. It's like if they want to give the big package, I am – I'm not big of a Joe Burrow fan. Let's put it that way. So I'm good with it. But the alternative for the Dolphins, it looks like right now, would be grabbing Tua. And Tua, we know before the season started, pre, pre-hip injury, it was tank for Tua. Because A, we didn't know who Joe Burrow was. He was a transfer from Ohio State. And, you know, who would have thought a transfer would do what Joe Burrow did? But then you have no Tua, one. No one Tua who was, you know, Heisman candidate. Just this freak athlete, just coming off a national title. Everything you'd want in a quarterback, this lefty, he had the swagger and everything. And, of course, he got hurt. But reports are good that things are healing up. Nerves all look good. And that's the biggest concern with the hip injury is potential nerve damage. What's your thoughts on Tua? Because it's one of those guys that it seems like half the world, he's, you know, a Joe Burrow, like a 1B to Joe Burrow's 1A. There's the other half that thinks it's just not worth the risk with the injury. What's your take, John? Well, I clearly have Tua as my number two quarterback prospect in this class. And... If he did not have the medical red flags with the dislocated hip and he had surgery on both ankles, I could make an argument that Tua's body of work over two seasons would trump um, Burroughs one season. And I could have easily put Tua at the top of the board. But I must factor in the injuries. The biggest thing is this dislocated hip, there's not a lot of examples of this at the pro level. And now with this national crisis, teams have not been able to bring Tua in and have their medical staffs look at this hip. Now, it's a type, it looks like, and reading and listening to a few people who are doctors, that it should be okay. But it's hard for an organization to look into history and say, okay, what were the concerns? You know, like if you have a dislocated rotator cuff in baseball, there's plenty of history, right? Where we know what the rotator cuff, what the surgery is, the recovery time, and what are the expectations. Well, two is hips outside the norm. So that's the challenge. Now, I have no problem if I was a team friend, I would draft him and put him on a red shirt. I have no problem with this. I think the young man is simply spectacular. He is a leader of men. He's intelligent. 
his accuracy is incredible. If it wasn't for Joe Burrow, we'd be talking about Tua's accuracy. But but Burrow just blew it out of the park. I like everything about Tua as a football player. The only concern is the hip. And then I go to some of the numbers that Tua put up. They are simply amazing. His career passing efficiency, 199. As an example, Joe Burrows is 172. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Over their careers, Burrows, 68.8 completion percentage. Tua, 69.3. And I, I give Burrow all the credit in the world for throwing the deep ball. Tua had more yards per attempt than Burrow, 10.9. His touchdown interception ratio was 87 to 11. That's insanity. Tua is a special quarterback. Now you're talking about your Miami Dolphins. I would have no doubt in my mind, and I still can't believe they won't do it. I would draft Tua. You go with Fitzpatrick for one season. Let Tua in the room with them. Let Tua learn just from observation. I think it is a perfect scenario. You build the offensive line in the first or second rounds because you have an abundance of draft picks. You get a running back. And then you plug and play Tua in year two. Now, I'm old enough to remember Carson Palmer sat for an entire season behind John Kitna in Cincinnati before he took over the reins. And look at what Patrick Mahomes did sitting at a season on the bench behind Alex Smith being tutored by Andy Reid. I think the Dolphins are stone-cold nuts if they do not take Tua and sit on him and build that offense for 2021, let's say you have Jonathan Taylor, you get an offensive lineman, you get two of them in the next two in rounds one and two, and you have Devontae Parker. Build that offense so when Tua is ready to play, he has a self-made team. I love Tua. Yeah, I love everything you have to say. I remember – Earlier on in the draft process, probably right after the title game, I was really kind of skeptical and concerned. The more I've seen news come out, I'm pumped on it because my whole thing was I love Fitzpatrick. I said build the offensive line, either get two of this year, get Lawrence next year. I don't care, but build that lineup, get the the tools like you said. But the way I've seen a lot of these mocks play out, there's so much talent in these early rounds and the Dolphins have three firsts and two seconds. Yeah. They can do a whole rebuild here, and they've already spent money on shoring up the defense. I know yes. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be a big homer here, but uh, I am 100 percent on board with just having Tua watch Fitzpatrick do veteran things back there. And you mentioned some good good points with um with with Dalton and uh, I mean Palmer and Mahomes. Heck, we've seen it with other guys as well. Let's look yeah. at Aaron Rodgers, for instance. Exactly, um, <laughs> he was three years on the bench, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think this idea that you have to play two a year one, especially the salary cap is beneficial. You don't, I mean, they're not paying them. Like the problem yep. with Bradford years ago, when they you signed them. the quarterback, his, his salary was, wasn't it like $55 million? It was and something like, crazy, yeah. Yeah, it was so crazy. But now with the, the way this draft payout structure is so beneficial to these organizations, for the young quarterback, 
You don't have to put Tua into the fire if you are at all concerned about that hip. And from what I've seen, most doctors, and again, these are not doctors who have seen the x-rays or these are not the people who are taking care of them. But doctors on the outside looking in with their medical knowledge are saying, this isn't a life-threatening slash career-threatening injury. But he might not be ready from day one, so let him sit. Yep. No, I'm with you there. And so after we go through from Tua, there's a lot of talk of uh, the next potential guy. And I'm not 100% sold on Justin Herbert. I know he's a good quarterback. I just i am not sold. He's got the size of a quarterback. I just wasn't overly thrilled with the competition in the Pac-12 from what I saw. But he still is a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. What's your takes on Justin Herbert? Because it seems like after Tua, there's a good chance the Chargers go Herbert or someone else does pretty early. Yeah, so I I have no question that Herbert is a first-round pick. He To me, there is a relative schasm between Burrow, Tua, and Herbert. I think there's a leap there. I clearly think Tua and Burrow are much better than Herbert. However, 6'7", 237 pounds with an incredible arm. I understand why teams like him. I do like him because he has been very frustrating at Oregon. You're on the West Coast, so you probably watch a lot of Pac-12 football, and I watch a lot of Pac-12 even though I stay up way too late on Saturdays (laughs) over here. But he can be frustrating. I mean, there are there are series and games where you are like, oh, my God, Justin Herbert is awesome, right? He's clicking. The offense is moving. You see the athletic ability, the arm strength. And then, sure enough, you, you watch him on another series. You watch him the next week, and you bang your head against the wall. You're like, what is he doing, right? So he's all over the place so he has been maddening now what I like about him which I don't think he's been given enough credit for Justin Herbert is a superior athlete he Mm -hmm. is your modern day quarterback this is not Eli Manning and Philip Rivers statues Drew Bledsoe he is very good I gave him a B plus on his escapability score he can avoid the pass rush he can throw on the run and he can gain first downs with his legs. I don't think it's talked enough about how mobile of a quarterback he is. He Now, the biggest thing that I concern about, he's not an anticipatory passer. That bothers me a little bit. But he can make plays outside of the structure of the offense because he's got athletic ability and he's mobile. So you kind of have, like, again, everything with Herbert, there's benefits, and then you look at the liability side, right? You go back and forth all the time. So you see his upside. Hey, the Pac-12 championship game versus Utah, and I thought the Utes were the better team. I thought the Utes had played played better football all season. They had the better defense, and they had the running game. Herbert and the Ducks smacked them. Then, in the Rose Bowl, he wasn't good with his arm. 
and he made some mistakes against the Badgers. Like, I don't know if you saw the interception, like, early in the I'm a, fourth. I'm a huge Badgers fan, so I saw Oh, my. Yes. Dude, that <laughs> interception when he threw it into, like, three linebackers on a screen pass or yeah. something. If it wasn't for his legs in that game, I yes. don't know how he, he wouldn't be a top 10 pick. I'll tell you that. Much. No, he won the game with three mm-hmm. rushing touchdowns. Yep. I mean, he has this high-end athletic ability. So the challenge to me when I look at Justin Herbert, I put him on a spectrum. Blake Bortles to Carson Wentz. I tend, Now, that's the range of outcomes in my book. He could be Blake Bortles. If you told me in six years he's a bench warmer, I would not be surprised. And if you told me he had one great season, I would not be surprised. I lean towards that. I think he's a little bit closer to Carson Wentz, but there is the Bortles kind of spectrum. So you have to be comfortable as an organization what you're getting. Now, I'll tell you one thing I like, why I think he can play right away in the NFL. He has gone through three different head coaches and three different offensive coordinators. I believe that the young man can digest an NFL playbook and execute it as well as a rookie can immediately. And because of his athletic ability, he is going to be able to make some plays for you by getting a first down with his legs. So I understand. I have him in the top 10. I mean, I actually have him going off in the top six. But I do see why he's a first-round pick. But there's a floor there that is concerning. Yeah, and that, that's my biggest thing with him is his decision-making, like you said, his overall pass skills, like he makes some, and then some just didn't look right. It just felt kind of weird, but his legs are amazing. He can get out of the pocket and avoid stuff. So it'll, it'll be uh, interesting to see where he goes. He's definitely one of the guys I think needs to sit behind somebody and watch for a little while. So It'd be perfect it'll, it, if Phillip Rivers was still in San Diego. That, that's my problem. It's like, is Tyrod Taylor, as much as I think he's a, a good quarterback, is he really the guy to watch? Mom, probably not. But we're going we're gonna to have to see how that one goes. It'll be interesting with Herbert. Like, hey, I'll eat crow. Like, some of these guys, you know, we see it all the time. There's some guys we probably won't even talk about today that get drafted in the seventh round, and next thing you know, he's a backup for four years and gets his chance, and here he goes. Like, it, it'll happen. But it um, but going in the top ten, top five, potentially, I'm just I, – I, as a Dolphins fan, I'm like, okay, please don't do it. Like, take Tua, take Burrow, or just pass. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm hearing so many people talking about – Two, I mean Herbert to the Dolphins. I'm shocked, dude. Yeah, I've I've, I've told I've told Bogman and others that if that happens, I'm going to be in a world of hurt real early in round one of the NFL draft. But um, let's go to the next guy. There's some guys getting some buzz as usual. About a week out, there's there's people pumping guys up, trying to get the hype train going. And this is one I just don't understand completely. Like I know the talent levels there. I've seen him play well. It was in the, you know the, the Mountain West, which is you know it's a better conference than people give credit for. Let's not completely throw it away. It almost got it, uh, into the BCS mix back in the day and whatnot. Jordan Love, good quarterback. I'm not going to say a great quarterback, but you know it depends on what side of the fence you live on. Some say he's a first round pick. Some say he's a second round pick. I'm just not overly sold on Jordan Love. What's your thoughts on Jordan Love? I'm kind of in agreement with you. Um, I have a second round grade on Jordan Love. 
I am not obsessed with them. And it's funny because if we have been talking last year at this time and, and we were doing Debbie rankings, I had Jordan Love pretty high, like number three in my Debbie rankings. I really loved his junior season. I loved his tape in 2018. Hey, man, he established five single season passing records, 32 touchdowns. 3,567 yards passing, 300-yard game seven. He was awesome in 2018. He was not very good at all in 2019. Now, I try to put that into context. They had nine members of the offense left the school from graduation or were gone. There was a turnover in the coaching staff. So I get that things changed dramatically for Jordan Love. But the film work, woo, he threw some ugly interceptions last year for the Utes. Now, I get the athletic ability, six foot three, 225 pounds, natural thrower with touch and timing, quick release, and archetype arm strength. All of that is true. However, he lacks pinpoint accuracy, and I think he makes really bad decisions at times. When you watch a film, he literally throws the ball into triple coverage. It's like mm-hmm. something I've never seen before. And then the crazy part, he'll throw it into triple coverage. He'll get knocked down, and they'll punt. Next time he has the ball on third down, he's throwing again into triple coverage, and it gets intercepted. I don't get it. Now, part of it was he was trying to make plays happen because I understand that his teammates weren't very good around him. But there has to be a time as a quarterback where you have to understand that you can't be throwing that ball into that type of coverage. Also, when I look at my benchmark statistics, and look, they're not the end-all and be-all, but I kind of use them as a measuring stick. He falls below a lot of the numbers that I'm looking for. As an example, passing efficiency, I'm looking for 150, my friend. He has a 137. He's pretty far below my benchmark for passing efficiency. That's because he's making mistakes and throwing interceptions. Completion percentage. In the modern college game, if you're not hitting 65% with the dump-offs and the spread offenses and these quick screens and quick hitters, I'm really concerned. He's only hitting 61% of his passes. Yards per attempt. He's only averaging 7.6. I look for 8.0. So what I see, according to the numbers, is an inaccurate quarterback who doesn't throw the ball deep. I don't really like that too much. His touchdown-to-interception ratio, I'm looking for 3-1. to He has 60 touchdowns to 29 interceptions. So you're essentially looking at 2-1. to I don't really like that. So my benchmarks say, hey, He has the athletic ability, but when he's making decisions with the football, they're not always the best decisions. I have a second round grade because there's no question I see the upside. And I gave his escape ability score a B plus. He is good with his legs. He can extend the play. He can throw on the run. But I think teams are pushing him up the draft board way too high. I would have loved him as a second-round pick, kind of like that Andy Dalton, Derek Carr bucket where you feel good. I'm getting a nice value in the second round of a quarterback who can start in the NFL. I think he's getting pushed up, likely to be drafted in the first round, 
but I don't have that grade, my friend. Yeah, and that's kind of how I feel about Jordan Love. I feel he's getting pushed up, kind of like you're saying, because of what he can do with his legs and the way yes. that, that the NFL sees where the game's kind of moving. Even Mahomes moving around a lot. Obviously, we saw Lamar Jackson's cheat code last year. So many ways the game is changing. And I think people see a guy like Jordan Love and go, okay, he's really athletic. He can move in the pocket and outside the pocket. He can throw on the run, which a lot of these you know, old school back in the day pocket passers can't do. That's just – it wasn't a thing. So yeah. they're seeing the transition of the game, and they're seeing Jordan Love and going, okay, if I can teach him a few other things, maybe it'll work. I think they're kind of – you know, you look at some of these other guys you're drafting, and you're like, okay, this is a really good floor with a ceiling. Jordan Love, they're almost more drafting for a ceiling than a good floor. And that's going to be really interesting with him. Like, I'd almost – a team like the Chargers, per se, I'd almost rather have Jordan Love back up Tyrod Taylor because they seem very similar to me compared to another situation. But we shall see how that goes. I'm curious to see where he goes, if he lands on day one or day two. I'm going day two. You're going day two. I think we're both going to be right on that one. You Let's know where I'd like him to yeah. land? You want to hear where I really wish he'd land, my friend? Go for it. Pit- Pittsburgh, round two. That's Would have been like a perfect that. scenario. Sit behind Roethlisberger, learn under Tomlin. He needs a red shirt season, but I don't think that's going to happen. Or, you know, sitting behind Green Bay might not be the worst thing either for two years for him, if he lasts that long. Well, see, I think like Green Bay, even uh, Indianapolis, Orleans, like we talked about, yes, yes. there. I think yes, that yes. kind of situation I think can be pretty good. So, yes, because he we'll needs to see how it plays learn. out there for sure. Exactly. Absolutely. He needs to sit and watch. If he's thrown into the fire right away, it's likely oh. to get very ugly quick. Um, who was the guy a couple years ago who ended up at Cleveland from Notre Dame? And I think I think they just destroyed oh, his Quinn. career. No, oh, no, Brady no. That Quinn. was it was the other kid after Quinn. Yeah, like three years ago. Now. Oh. Oh my god. Yeah, I know exactly. They all they he, he shot up draft boards and then it just got yep. blown up. I know exactly. He, yeah, and about. he just yep. they won what zero games? They were or one game that year. Terrible coach, terrible organization. Um, oh, Deshaun Kaiser just completely blew out his career. Jordan Love could be on that yep. spectrum if you threw him to the fire too quickly. Great comparison. Uh let's head up to the, the northwest here to Washington. Jacob Eason, super talented, had some monster games in the Pac 12, also had a kind of some quietness. Um, you know, Herbert, obviously a much more talented guy, but I saw a lot from Eason at times that was very, very good. Maybe not so much with his legs per se as, as an Herbert does, but, uh, Eason's kind of one of those guys, another junior, maybe second round, third round quality. What's your take on Jacob Eason? So I'm not a Jacob Eason guy. I have him ranked number seven in my, um, quarterback rankings entering the draft this year. Um, now I see the upside. Trust. I mean, the six six, two hundred thirty one pounds. He's a classic pocket passer with outstanding arm strength. I mean, he can throw the football. But I've seen a lot of quarterbacks who can throw the football and don't ex- succeed in the NFL. And there are times where you're like, "Whoa, that kid has a special arm." However, I, I mean, co- transferring from Georgia, going to Washington. And, you know, it was fascinating because a lot of us in the college football industry just thought that Jacob Eason would get the job very easy for the Huskies. But if you had been following Jacob Eason last spring and into the summer, he wasn't even guaranteed to start. Like, he he came out of spring ball and the Huskies were like, uh, he's not our starter. 
And I think they went like two or three weeks in training camp. And you're like, what? How is he not the starter? So, But he finally did get the job. But it was shocking to me. Last year, he passed for 3,132 yards and 23 touchdowns. Now, let's put that in context. That's a defensively challenged conference, okay? Not trying to be mean with the Pac-12, but they're not exactly stopping people at all. But I get it. He played in two pro-style schemes. He's going to – the NFL teams are going to like him more than I do. But every benchmark, just like I did with Jordan Love, Jacob Eason falls behind. He doesn't hit my benchmark in passing efficiency, completion percentage, yards per attempt, or touchdown to interception ratio. What bothers me the most, I gave him a D-plus for escapability score. He had minus 125 career rushing yards. Now, remember, in, in college football, when you get sacked, it comes off of your rushing totals, not the passing game, right? So that's why he's rushing yards. He took too many sacks. What I see is below average pocket mobility. He's not going to gain you a first down with his legs. He doesn't like to be blitzed and he doesn't like a muddy pocket. I think it was pro football focus said his passer rating when he was under a blitz and a defender got through was like 32%. He makes very bad decisions throwing the football under pressure. And what he does, in my opinion, he relies on that arm strength too much. Look, I have a third-round grade. I think the NFL is going to take him in the second round. I'd be shocked if he went in the first. But, look, I've been shocked in the draft before. And I understand supply and demand at the quarterback position. So my grade and my model says a third round, I think he'll go off the board in the second. Yeah, just like Jacob Eason, who I thought could have used a senior season, Jake Fromm coming out early at Georgia surprised me a little bit. Uh, He had a very talented freshman receiver. He had some more recruiting class for this upcoming season. It seemed like Georgia was so close to to getting to the national title game. Burrow and Tua leaving town. But Fromm lately, maybe moving into the second round, I don't think the first round, but maybe the second round, if not staying in the third round. I just wasn't overly sold on Jake Fromm from what I saw at Georgia. What's your thoughts on Fromm as a a potential NFL quarterback? I like Jake Fromm. I have a second round grade on him. He's my number six quarterback. So I think there are six quarterbacks who deserve first or second round draft capital in this draft. Now, my biggest concern about Fromm And maybe I've watched so much college football, but I also see where the NFL is moving. I do believe we are starting and entering a new paradigm of offense. We've now had over a decade of those spread offenses. And what that has done is the kids coming into the league, many of them, from Mahomes, Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson, they're coming into the league with the ability to run the football and gain first downs with their legs. That's why I added the escapability score. They are very good. This is not the 1980s anymore. Jake Fromm, to me, is a throwback from the early 90s. He might be, if it was the 1993 draft, Jake Fromm coming from Georgia, Georgia leading to the title game as a freshman, I would make the argument might have been the number one pick if it was 1993, but it is 2020. 
His escapability score is a C. He's not a complete disaster because he's actually pretty good at avoiding the pass rush in the pocket and buying time. He can also throw pretty well on the run. He's not as good as Herbert. He's not <clears throat> He's not as good as Burrow, but he's above average. The problem is he's not going to make any first downs with his legs. Now, what do I like about him? High football IQ. Played at the highest level of college football with the University of Georgia. He makes audibles into the proper play. I like the fact he goes through progressions and he makes the right throw. As example, his touchdown interception ratio is is four to one, 78 to 18. What I also like, he's throwing the ball further downfield than I expected. I don't think of Georgia as a downfield passing game. He averaged 8.4 yards a pass. So he's throwing the ball down the field, which I like. His passing efficiency is okay. His completion percentage is good. His games played, I love it, 43 games in a tough SEC conference with tough non-division opponent, non-conference opponents. I like this young man. Second round grade would be a great option for a team looking for a pocket passer, not looking to get too fancy at the NFL level. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That's kind of why I'm torn on him. Him and Easton have a lot of similarities to me. I, I think I, I definitely would take Fromm over Easton because of, you know, SEC. I actually like his arm a little better, but both just left a lot of questions for me that I think a senior season could have really done some good. But, hey, we shall see. The, the talent could uh, shine in the NFL format. Like you said, they play in at least NFL-type systems, which will be good to see. Now let's talk about this man. This man is quite polarizing to, to the, the draft community right now. Um, he was in Alabama, then Tua took over. So Jalen Hurts transfers <laughs> to Oklahoma and has a, has, has a monster season at Oklahoma. Just a, a monster season with his legs and his arm putting up touchdowns after touchdowns. I know there's not a lot of defense played in the Big 12. Let's not be crazy. But <laughs> he still played phenomenal, phenomenal football. There's no sugarcoating that at all. Now, now it gets fun. And say, hey, he's the next like Lamar Jackson type. And then there's others saying, well, let's slow down a little bit. He's really good, but is he an NFL? I've heard it all over the boards. Somehow I've seen people have him as high as number three behind Tua, and some have him like as low as 10 or 11. Where do you stand on Jalen Hurts? First, uh, he's my number fourth ranked quarterback. So you're, I you're really high on like, I, I don't disagree. I, I really like this young man, I like his body of work. I like the fact he's been tutored by two of the elite coaches, Nick Saban, a Hall of Famer, if not the best college football coach of all time. He's been tutored by Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. I love this young man. He's bigger than people think, 6'1", 218 pounds. What is shocking to me, my friend, people love Baker Mayfield. They love Kyler Murray. Jalen Hurts did the exact same thing in Such a Oklahoma. great point. How can you love Baker Mayfield? Such a great how point. Can, how can you love Kyler Murray? He's bigger than Mayfield and Murray. So he, I think he's more athletic than Baker. I don't think he's more – Kyler's a special athlete, but he's darn close. So I just love what this young man has overcome. 
He is a leader of men. I have never read or heard one teammate, coach, reporter, anyone say anything negative. He captures the locker room and the huddle and the sideline. People love him. Hey, look at man, you mentioned it. He was pulled in the national championship game for Tua. Did the young man pout? Did he transfer? No. No. He came back. He was willing to battle. He lost the battle to Tua, who's an exceptional player, right? I mean, it's not like like he lost the job to the top three pick in the draft, Tua, right? So he, he stayed on the team, but then he made, which I think was a smart business decision. He was not going to win the job at Alabama. You have to leave the program. He fought it out. He stayed on the sideline. He was great by the coaching staff. Nick Saban never said a bad word about him. Nick Saban didn't, from what I know, he didn't block him going to Oklahoma, you know, let the young man go. What does he do? He goes to Oklahoma and he it was a star. Now, I gave him an A-plus in escapability score. He's simply silly. Now, I will say this. He's not as dynamic as Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is MVP of the NFL. You just don't find Lamar Jackson. I put Jalen Hurts in the kind of between Kyler Murray and Dak Prescott. A little bit better than Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes. So he's in this modern NFL framework. He can make plays with his legs. He rushed for 3,274 yards. That is crazy. And his passing numbers, my friend, they're off the charts. Every statistic that I look for, Jalen Hurts exceeds. He played in 56 college games. He's intellectually ready to understand the grind and the game itself. Excuse my dog, everyone. Passing efficiency, 162.6. You know what's amazing? People said the same thing about Dak Prescott. They say Jalen Hurts is inaccurate. Here's what happens. When they watch film, it is subjective. I no longer watch in, I no longer judge a quarterback unless it's off the charts bad like Christian Hackenberg, who was just awful. And his completion percentage reflected that. I don't see inaccuracy. And the numbers tell me Jalen Hurts completed 65% of his passes. How inaccurate can the man be? I mean, it's just it's just a silly argument. They said the exact same thing about Dak Prescott. Yards per attempt. This is amazing. People, Jalen Hurts completed 9.1 yards per attempt at the college level. And remember, he played more games at Alabama than he did with Oklahoma. And his touchdown interception ratio is four to one. I don't see what there is not to like. How can you like Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and not like Jalen Hurts? It's just crazy. It's like, did you watch the games? Look it. Is he perfect? No. Is he the modern NFL quarterback? Oh my God, my friend. Absolutely. Yeah, and you made so many great points there. I, I think the the talk about Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, 
yeah, when they came out, everyone was drooling over them, top pick in the draft, and then there's Jalen Hurts, and he's like, yeah, we don't really want Jalen was a castaway from Alabama. That's like how people <laughs> look at it. And it's like, yeah, no, it's like they, exactly. they, they, they bought into a narrative, and they believe that learning is a straight line. Learning can be either a parabola or learning could be linear. If you actually look at Jalen Hurts' career, he is improved in a linear direction throughout his four years. If he can continue to learn at that pace, he's going to be wildly successful in the NFL. I think one of the fun little you know sound bites we're going to get out of this is that you have him ahead of Patrick Mahomes in like I get I know you're not saying an overall like production right now I get that but um, the comparison I make with Jalen Hurts a lot and tell me what you think of this I think his yeah. career with his athletic ability and talent level could resemble a Cam Newton what's your thoughts on that Oh no it's absolutely possible he could be Cam Newton. I mean, he could easily be Cam Newton and Dak Prescott. No question about it in my mind. I mean, he can, Beautiful. you know, he could eat, you know, Lamar Jackson's special, so I don't like, but I could easily see Jalen Hurts throwing for 3,800 yards and rushing for 800 with 34 definitely. touchdowns, right? I mean, that's not Most without, that's, that's within his realm of outcomes. Do I think he's ever going to throw for 5,000 yards? No, but I'll take 3,800 yards passing and 800 yards rushing any day of the week. And all those touchdowns. Yeah, I'm 100% yeah, with all those he's gonna, Yeah, he's, he's going to thrive in this format. Um, those are the seven quarterbacks I had written down. There's obviously many more that will go. You have Anthony Gordon, Nate Stanley, Cole McDonald, so many more people are talking about. I know you have another one that you were you were high on. Uh, what do you got for us on James Morgan? So James Morgan is one of those guys who I know the NFL will probably like. 6'4", 229 pounds, and he's a pocket passer, right? He's not overly dynamic with his legs. He had a nice long career. He's going to be able to make the adjustment to the NFL level. I think he's a sixth-round draft pick. He should make a team as a third quarterback or a taxi um, squad type of guy. Hey, last, you know, he was um, Conference USA Newcomer of the Year in 2018. He was all-memorable, our honorable mention, all-Conference USA um, last year. He, he's good. He's not great. at. Co- I mean, he was good at college, not great. But his skill set and what the NFL is looking for, they're going to look at him as like a poor man's Jake Fromm. They're going to say, let's bring him in. Let's see if we can coach this young man for two to three years, and let's see what he got. He's out of Florida International. You probably not have seen him, but he's got the NFL traits that teams are going to like. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, and I'm curious to see – some of these later guys are going to come in and get their backup roles and everything and see how that pans out because, like I said at the very beginning, these are the main quarterbacks we know, but there's always going to be one or two that kind of sneaks through and uh, surprises people out of the fifth round or sixth round or something. So we'll have to keep an eye on all that. But uh, let's head to the running and Running backs is usually one that, from a fantasy viewpoint, we really like because we think there's some instant impact. This year's class, it seems like it's kind of mixed reactions. Like there's a couple guys up top that, and then it's kind of a, a mishmash of maybes out there that some guys really like, some 
think there's some some work that needs to be done still. But we'll we'll start off up top, and uh, I'm not going to be a homer here, but I had him number one on the list I was looking at, Jonathan Taylor, who um, I, I like to remind people he's only a junior. So in his three three seasons at Wisconsin, basically led Wisconsin in rushing in three seasons, and that's like one of running back use. So I'm just going to throw that out there that uh, he's he's that good. And if he came for a fourth year, he would have shattered in a career records all over the NCAA. So um, like Ron Dane's the only one ahead of him, actually. So he didn't get Wisconsin because Dane's ahead. But Jonathan Taylor is very high. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can run great. John, what's your thoughts on Taylor? I absolutely love Jonathan Taylor. I have a first-round grade on him. He's at the top of my draft board. And I'll say this, my friend. In the seven years that I've been writing and publishing these um, reports for football diehards, and I'm not going to go back. Like, I could talk about running backs in the 90s. But I'll try to keep at least since I've been on record with my prospect (laughs) profiles. Jonathan Taylor, the only two prospects who are better than him in my seven years, Zeke Elliott coming out of Ohio State and Saquon Barkley coming out of Penn State. Jonathan Taylor is the third best prospect of the last seven years. My friend, I have a three-pronged scouting report when I'm analyzing players. First one is film. I watch a film. I take notes. I love watching college football on Saturday. So my notes, I, how could you not like the film work of Jonathan Taylor? Two, I look at the end of the season when they're finally done with their bowl games. I'm looking at the numbers, and that's my production model. How many yards per carry? How many career rushes? How many receptions? How many touchdowns? What's the percentage of offense, the total yards that he accumulated? So on those two numbers, Jonathan Taylor was extraordinary. He had two 2,000-yard seasons, and in the third season, he had 1,977 yards. That is silly. I mean, his production model is off the chart. Playing at Wisconsin behind that line, film work off the charts. But he played at Wisconsin. And Wisconsin backs can be frustrating because you know the system is so good. It is kind of like the run and shoot for quarterbacks. They have propped up so many running backs who have not necessarily translated that skill set to the NFL. Ron Dane, Monty Ball. Now, Melvin Gordon is the first one to really hit his NFL season coming out of Wisconsin. Jonathan Taylor is a better prospect than Melvin Gordon in my book. But what cemented it? His combine, dude, was out of control. I I don't think it gets talked enough about how incredibly good this young man was athletically at the combine. 4.3940, 7.013 cone drill, 4.24 20-yard shuttle. He's 5'10", 226 pounds, my friend. He is a huge, strong man, and he started as a freshman at Wisconsin from day one. Absolutely love him. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. I'm, I'm a gigantic Jonathan Taylor fan. Like homerism aside, I I love Jonathan Taylor. Everything about him. And one thing I love that that you didn't mention because you don't need to when it talks about being a fantasy impact, his just leadership, his uh, just the way he handles himself was amazing. Like watching him on the field and and doing certain things and the way the team respected him, it was. And again, he's a junior, even playing since a freshman there. 
there was a lot to be said about that when I just watched him move around that team. There was like big, big, big excitement for Jonathan Taylor, and I'm hoping I've seen some mock drafts where he falls to Miami, and that would just be all the all the feels, all the feels. So oh, that would be great, dude. Uh, let's talk if about Miami. Our, could, yeah. If Miami got him in the second round, my friend, holy, you get Tua and Jonathan yeah. Taylor, man, that's nasty. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he deserves to be a first-round pick, so I don't plan on getting him. But if he <laughs> fell, I'd be good with it. I'd be very good with it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, let's talk about another SEC running back here. Uh, we talked about Jake Fromm out of Georgia. Let's talk about DeAndre Swift, a guy that had a, a big season, battled a little bit of injury here and there. But talent level is pretty good. It's pretty much depends on where you look at Swift 1B or vice versa. They're both like two of the top guys coming out of this draft class. What's your take on DeAndre Swift? I like DeAndre Swift. I have a first-round grade on him. I'm not in love with with him. Like, I got a man crush on Jonathan Taylor. He's just special. I like DeAndre (laughs) Swift a a lot. I understand why teams would covet him. And I'm a big believer in the Bulldogs pipeline. Nick Chubb, Todd Gurley, no Sean Marino, Garrison Hurst. And I'm old enough. I remember Herschel Walker. I was a freshman in high school when Herschel Walker burst on the scene. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He was so good. So this is a pipeline. The Bulldogs, they know how to scout. They know how to coach him up. And they put him into a scheme that makes him NFL running backs. Look it. I think DeAndre Swift, 5'8", 212 pounds, smooth athlete. But I don't know if he's a grinder who can carry the ball 25 times between the tackles. I think he's a little bit more. You need to get him in space. I think he's the best pass catcher out of this group of running backs. And there's some special pass catchers. But DeAndre Smith is an amazing pass catcher. With the ball in space, you need to get him on the edge of the defense. I think DeAndre Swift is 120 carries, 60 receptions a season. To me, that would be his ideal usage. I I think he's great. I do like Taylor better. Swift is clearly an NFL running back. I will not be surprised if a team, most people have Swift at the top of their board. I have him at number three. He's if a running back goes in the first round, it's probably going to be DeAndre Swift. And but he does have three down capabilities from day one. I really do like Swift. Yeah, it seems like a lot of people do. I'm like again, I'm kind of a homer. I think Jonathan Taylor's the type. Nothing against Swift. I think he's super, super talented, can do it all. I just know at Georgia, like you said, they, they get him ready for the NFL it seems like there's always two of them there. And that's just always a question I have, but uh, super talented, nothing to take away from him. You said you have him at three. You have Taylor at one. Who is your number two? Uh, my guy, J.K. Dobbins. I think J.K. Dobbins Ohio. is special, man. And and I, I, I'm a Michigan fan. I can't stand the Buckeye. So when I make a Buckeye this highly <laughs> rate, I got to swallow it here. And I think Zeke Elliott yeah, was. Dobbins had a big um, game this year, too. Dobbins had a big yeah, game. Yes. Oh, man. But, man, 5'9", 209 pounds. I just think, you know, you look, he had three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. He was a ESPN freshman, All-American, and he had 1,400 yards rushing as a true freshman. 
Now, something happened that sophomore year. He was splitting carries with Mike Weber. It looked like he was a little bit dinged up. But, man, he came back last year. He was simply off the charts incredible. Man, he is a tremendous player in space. You've got to get him outside of the tackles. Now, I don't think he's as good as DeAndre Swift as a pass catcher, but God darn it, he is close, my friend. He is super close. Now, he had 4,495 career rushing yards, averaged 6.2 yards a carry, 71 career receptions. What I love about him, he plays like he's 220 pounds. He is a feature Mm -hmm. back with patience, explosion, acceleration, and power. He lowers his shoulders. He wants to make contact. He seeks contact. He wants to punish tacklers. He has good contact balance. If you don't wrap this young man up, you know, with two arms or by the legs, he's going to bounce off you. He's going to explode into space. He's really good at what I call spatial awareness. He's able to see tacklers five, six yards away at all kinds of strange angles. He, 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 he eludes those defenders. Top-notch vision. I absolutely love J.K. Dobbins. Look, we didn't see him at the Combine, which is disappointing. And the pro day was canceled because of our national crisis. But if you look at the records and you see what he did in high school in like the 40 and what he's done at Ohio State Pro Days, and what's interesting, if you study Ohio State, they're not really liars. And I I, I don't mean it, but, you know, most people fudge like, you know, on campus Mm -hmm. 40 times. Ohio State's pretty consistent and honest. So I look, his projected 40 time is about a 4-4-1. When you're talking about a man 5'9", 209 pounds, I love J.K. Dobbins. I'm a huge fan of his. I was glad to see once I started digging in more for draft prep that he's high on boards. Because I was worried, you know, throughout the season last year, he wasn't really talked about as much as I felt he deserved to be talked about in the national spotlight. And then he yeah. kind of really just poured it on that set of the season and, and towards the end of the season just went nuts. And I think people started to realize just how good J.K. Dobbins is. It was almost once uh, Justin Fields got hurt and he wasn't as as he could be, Ohio State's like, oh, you know what, let's just get the ball to Dobbins a little more. And boom, it just, just dominance took over. So I, I think some teams would be very happy to have J.K. Dobbins fall to them in the second round, and it can be sneaky nice. So I'm with you on that one. Um, the, hey, you know, he LSU. wouldn't be a bad – yeah. the, the Dolphins, I've heard, have you read this? The Dolphins like Dobbins? I've read that. Yes. I'm fine he, with that because I don't think Taylor yeah, will be there in the second round. I, I really no, don't. And, <laughs> and, you know, Flores comes out of that New England coaching scouting tree. Dobbins has yep. traits that New England likes. So it would be interesting if he falls there. And I'm all for it because, again, I just don't see Taylor falling, falling that far. So uh, I'd be shocked. But uh, let's go to LSU here. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. Uh, towards the end of the year, a little banged up, made it to the national title game, of course, but uh, up till then, the last few games was, was hurting quite a bit, but still put up a monster season, and people kind of forget about him because it was all about Joe Burrow and that passing offense, all those awesome <laughs> weapons, yet, yeah. yet Hilaire was balling out himself. So what's your takes on Hilaire when it comes to the NFL talent? 
So I think Alaire has a very nice floor because I think he's another exceptional pass catcher. I mean, if you look at how LSU used him in the passing game, it was the first time we were talking earlier about LSU um, and their offense in the SEC and those slugfests with Alabama. Um, But LSU, Joe Brady employed Clyde Edwards Alaire successfully out of the passing game. And he was dynamic as a pass catcher this year. So I think he has a really nice floor because he can immediately come in and play as a third as a third down back. Now, I question, is he a system running back? Did he benefit so much from playing in this LSU offense? I mean, let's be honest. When you have Justin Jefferson, Joe That's a great Burrow, question. You know, and then you have Jamar Chase, Terrence Marshall, and you have a quarterback who threw for 60 touchdowns. How many coordinators are worried about a late bloomer, Clyde Edwards Alaire? And I liked him. He had a fantastic season. Hey, 5'7, 207 pounds. I mean, he is a bruising ball carrier. He can he can pack a punch. He has tackle-breaking elusiveness. He's very tough on the edge if he gets the pass out in space it is going to be difficult for linebackers to bring him down. I do have a second-round grade. Now, I've seen him. He's all over the board. I've seen people I highly respect have Clyde Edwards-Alaire number one on their board and think he's a no-brainer really? first-round pick. I don't, I'm not that high. Hmm. I have him at number five. Hmm. I really like him. But I like the other – to me, the other running backs are clearly – better ceilings. I don't think Clyde Edwards Alaire could get you a 1500 yard rushing season. I think he could have 1500 scrimmage yards because he could have 65 receptions, but I don't think he can just dominate the game from the ground. So I, I but I do like him and I think he's going to be a little system dependent, my friend. No, I like that take. I think that's a strong one because I think a the beautiful thing about any type of rankings if it's draft they're your rankings. Do what you wish. So people that have them ranked number one, hey, more power to you because you probably have a good argument of why you think so. I'm more like you. I, I think he's more of a, you know, after the elite top part, like a, he's a good back, a really good back. I just don't know how he's number one over Taylor and Swift and Dobbins and company. That's kind yes. of a, a tough ask for me. But uh, he's, I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be built for – a system like you mentioned Brady, like if he could go to Carolina and God forbid something had the CMC sliding there pretty nicely. Yes. But it's going more where you're seeing more of these running backs that are in the passing game. Like White's still very good, but he's getting older. Hilaire could move into there and have some fun with the, with that kind of system. So it'll be interesting. He's definitely more of a he's gotta land in the right place type type guy. So yes. we'll have to keep like an eye he'd on be that bad in Tennessee, I think. He would not fit yes. Tennessee. And he, not you know, a chance. so that. If, yeah. If Deion Lewis couldn't work out there, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, yes. Now let's I send agree. him to, let's send him to Houston where running backs go to die. That would be a shame. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you have him at number five. We talked yeah. about Taylor, Dobbins, Swift, one through three. Who's your number four? Hey, it's, uh, no one has risen higher up the draft rankings in this process than Cam Akers. Oh my God. A 5'10", 217 pounds. Violent runner with good leg drive, power, and explosiveness. He has conquered 
the pre-draft process in my book. Now, I watch a lot of Florida State. I like the ACC. I obviously watch a lot of Clemson. They have so many fantasy relative players. To put it in context, Florida State has arguably had over the past two seasons the worst offensive line in college football. They clearly had the worst offensive line in 2018, and it was a modicum better this year. They were still in the bottom 10. So the young man was playing in a program that has completely fallen apart. Oh, my God, the days of Bobby Bowden and even Jumbo Fisher and Cam Newton are long gone. And what I can't believe, my friend, I know I'm going off, but how can Florida State not recruit offensive linemen? Like, what's the, what the heck's going on down there? But it's I guess crazy. that's different. It's crazy. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest, John. You know, back in the day when Bobby Bowden was there, Florida State oh. was like a national, like, religion. Now they're yeah. struggling to finish above 500 and keep a head coach for more than three or four years. It's crazy. Wow. And they used that. <laughs> and, they, and when Bowden was there, they would have linemen, defensive and offensive side of the football, who were first-round picks almost every year. They so they were he, Alabama. They, yeah, it, it's really sad. So when so what happened is when I watched the film, you can't be impressed. Now there were times where I was. So let me. He's kind of like watching film was like watching Justin Herbert, but it's not his fault because the offensive line was so bad. I mean, I can't even imagine if Cam Akers played behind Alabama's line with that offense, what he would have done. So I understand that. But the production wasn't great. He only averaged 4.9 yards per carry, but that's a result of a poor offensive line. 69 receptions. Now, I'll admit it might have been expectations were so high. Maybe I expected too much. Remember, he was a top-level recruit, the number one running back in the country, walking onto the Florida State campus. So he never hit my expectations. But, you know, I always try to remain open-minded throughout this draft process. And one of the things you have to do is if you were wrong on a guy in December, you got to open up your eyes. When he ran a 4.47 at the 40-yard dash and then a 4.42, what I see is a 5'10", 217-pound Uber athlete. It forced me to go back and watch more film and understand and try to put it into context how good this young man can be. Now, what I like about him, he's a very underrated pass catcher. But all these guys, if you look at this class, they're all good – or the top guys are good pass catchers. The other thing, man, he is an incredible pass blocker. Incredible. I don't see how the Bucs let him go in the second round. You have to keep Tom Brady up. You cannot put Clyde – I didn't even mention this – Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a disaster pass blocking, a total disaster. He will get Tom Brady killed. You can put Cam Akers in the backfield in a one-receiver setting, and he can block. And if you have O.J. Howard, you can keep him to block too. You're going to have to keep the old man upright. Cam Akers, I love him. He's my number four running back, my friend. Yeah, he had he had some games where he really beasted out, and other games kind of fell behind. And it could be more so about the team he was on and not his talent. Yes, like saying so, uh, definitely, definitely a guy to to keep an eye on. Uh, let's have a couple quick hitters here because there's so many running backs. But um, a name that's been kind of up and down. We recently got some of his on campus workout. Uh, the knee concerns. About you. What are your quick thoughts on Zach Moss out of Utah? 
You know, he's if if Cam Akers moved up, unfortunately, no one has fallen further down my charts than Zach Moss. And I, I mean, we were talking about Justin Herbert in the Pac-12. Remember, um, we had mentioned that we thought Utah was the best team until Oregon beat them. Look at man, they were a great team because of their defense and because of Zach Moss. Now they also had a good quarterback. Um, Huntley played well this year for them, the senior quarterback. Yes. But Zach Moss, man, I loved him. But here's the problem: four point seven two athletically, four point three seven in the twenty yard shuttle. I've seen this script before. Remember Samaj P. Ryan, my friend. I'm not falling oh, wow. for. Yeah. Sa- I'm not falling for Samaj P. Ryan. I have him in that bucket, the uber athletic ability. And we know the difference in greatness at the at the NFL level is so slim. That's why running backs have short shelf lives and why when they're done, they're done. He just, in my opinion, he just doesn't have that athletic ability that I'm looking for in a stud running back. Now, he's a good pass blocker. He's a good pass catcher. He has a role in the NFL. But I have him as my 11th ranked running back. I have a fourth round grade on him now. Yeah, he's been a, he's been falling quite a bit here. Let's go to uh, the workhorse, 247 pounds, quite big these days in the NFL for running back. Mode at Boston College, not sure he translates to the NFL style of running back, but we'll see. What's your quick take on AJ Dillon? Absolutely love him. If it wasn't for Cam Akers, he'd be the highest riser. Um, Look, I have a dream that he ends up in Pittsburgh. He would just be the perfect Steelers running back. You mentioned it, 6'0", 247 pounds. He is a gap power runner. But, man, his athletic ability at the combine, first in broad jump, first in vertical jump, he ran a 4.53 at 247 pounds. You give this man a lane, and he is through it. Look it. I understand the downside. I understand that there are some questions. He's not the toughest runner for a big guy. But if you give him a lane, you let him, you put him in a gap scheme, he is off and running. He's my number six running back, my friend. Oh, absolute monster there. I know they gave him the ball over 20 times a game, but school workhorse backs, the more you fed him, the better he got. And he would just Absolutely. wear guys down. Like, like we talked about Ron Dane earlier. That's what it was. Like you need to give him the carries in the fourth quarter. He's going to crush you. That's just what he, he did every game. So uh, <laughs> Every game. Yes. Yep. Um, a guy that maybe because I watched a lot of Pac-12 games, he, he had my, he played well there, but again, not a lot of defense. Anything of interest on a guy like Eno Benjamin out of uh, Arizona State? I have Eno at number eight on my rankings. I think he's a fourth round grade. He was so sensational in 2018, man. He was an all-American third team coming out of Arizona State. I mean, you have to really be great. He had 1,642 yards rushing for the Sun Devils, 5'9", 207 pounds. He's, you know, he's in the bucket size-wise as Clyde Edwards-Alaire, a little bit taller, about the same weight. He's shifty and elusive runner. He's a very good pass catcher, 82 career receptions. He's a better athlete than given credit for. You look at his 40-yard dash, three-cone drill, 20-yard shuttle. I like them all. He illuminates NFL-level athletic ability. I don't think he's a bell cow like he was at Arizona State in the NFL. I think he's a third down back in the Geno 
Um, oh, Gino Bernard and Duke Johnson bucket. I like him. I definitely think he has a role in the NFL, my friend. Nice, nice. Um, again, there's tons and tons of running backs here. There's like Keyshawn Vaughn, LaMichael P. Ryan, Javon Leak, James Robinson, so many different guys. What are a couple other ones that are standing out to you that people might not? Absolutely. The one guy I like a lot, and I'm drafting him in dynasty leagues in the fourth or fifth round. I like Joshua Kelly of UCLA a lot. And, you know, maybe I watch too much Pac-12 football, but, man, <laughs> Joshua Kelly is not being talked about enough. Man, he's my number one nine-ranked running back, 5'10", 212 pounds. Look, he's a patient runner with excellent vision and balance. He's tough between the tackles. But his athletic ability, man, you put him in a power run scheme, he's going to be very, very good. I do think he might be the perfect backup to Todd Gurley in Atlanta, but his, his combine numbers illustrate an awesome athlete. I love Joshua Kelly. And then the, my guy who's moved up a ton, I watch the Sun Belt because I love college fantasy football. Darrington Evans, 5'10, 203 pounds. Man, I always wonder about these kids coming out of non power five conferences. But I love Darrington Evans' film work at Appalachian State. I liked his production. But when he went to the combine and he runs a 4.41 in the 40, the kid is a one-cut outside zone runner. He He has a role in the NFL. He's a slasher, my friend. He's going to have a very nice career. He looks like to me that he would be great in a Shanahan scheme, my friend. He would be phenomenal on the Niners. They already they already have a ton of running backs there. I get it. They do feeling great. I, yep. I I'm glad you mentioned him because one reason I know him is from NCAA uh, DraftKings. So it was uh, <laughs> he was uh, always cheap and always just went for like 200 and like three or four touchdowns. He was so unbelievable, good. So right? Good. So yes, yeah, I'm with you there. That's uh, that's one of the beauties of uh, playing some college fantasies. You can you can unearth some of these talented guys because. You know, the SEC, everybody knows, you know, the Big Ten, Pac-12, Big 12. For the most part, people have a good gist on who's who there. But if you want to go deep, I'm with you. You can play some college fantasy sports, and then it all comes to earth for you. Some pretty good stuff there. Yes, Um, I'll I'll go with Jalen early. (laughs) College fantasy football hurts was awesome. Oh, man, automatic. 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 It was good times. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. What was fun early was getting LSU game stacks before people realized how good LSU was going to be. Oh, they were so underpriced, dude. Burrow and Jefferson early in the year, then Burrow to the chase. Oh, my God. There was so much value. It was amazing. Absolutely amazing. But, uh, John, that'll wrap us up for this episode. Before we take off, let everybody know where they can find you and plug everything once again. Thanks for having me on, man. I had a blast today. Please follow me on Twitter at GridironSkull91. I appreciate that very much. All my written profiles are on footballdiehards.com for the seventh season in a row. And go to YouTube, type in dynastydraftroom.com or dynastydraftroom and find the um, the the um, profiles that I have with my partner, Matt Elliott, and you'll see 23 profiles, 10-minute breakdowns of 33 of the best players coming into the draft. Yep, I highly recommend that everybody, John, on this episode and previous ones, knows his stuff inside and out. One of the best minds in the business. So, John Lobb, thanks for joining me, my friend. I look forward to doing it again sometime. 
Of course, brother. Have a great one, everyone. Everybody, this was the running back quarterback draft fantasy preview with John Lobb. Catch you guys later.